This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first-time homebuyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. everyone. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is Bo Blackburn. He is the COO and co-founder and real estate attorney at Seller Shield. He has spent more than 20 years defending brokers, agents, and sellers caught in home sale lawsuits. He quickly realized that sellers weren't the only party in a real estate transaction who didn't have any protection against these lawsuits. And that was a serious problem for both sellers and their agents. Seller Shield mission is to protect home sellers and their agents from emotionally and financially devastating lawsuits. And Seller Shield is also a sponsor of Ohio Realtors. We have enjoyed their partnership and enjoyed their sponsorship. Bo, welcome onto the show. We're really excited to be talking to you today. Oh, thank you, Allison. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Yeah, and we're going to dive into a little bit more of your world and how our realtors can keep themselves safe from these lawsuits. And and you're going to share some advice and from your experience, what not to do and what to do in these situations. But before we get started on today's topic, I want to hear a little bit more about you, your career journey, specifically, you know, when it comes to real estate, tell us about your career journey and what's led you to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I, like almost everybody, went to law school to be a real estate lawyer. (laughs) That's a joke. Uh Uh, I had no idea what kind of lawyer I wanted to be when I went to law school. But as circumstances happened, I had an amazing opportunity to start representing real estate brokers and agents in Texas. Like a lot of good things in life, it was just pure luck that led me to do that. And I thank my stars for that. But uh, I, I had a lucky circumstance to get my first representation of a real estate brokerage. And, you know, one turned into two and two to four. And and that was kind of how it happened as I, as I built a practice around representing agents and brokerages in all sorts of matters related to legal issues. And doing that, like you said, I observed some things that led me and some other folks to ultimately found Seller Shield. Yeah. So you realize this working with your clients and representing agents and brokers and kind of seeing, you know, your experience working with them. So tell us a little bit about Seller Shield and what you all do. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you what I observed when I was practicing and before we founded the company that led us to start the company, because I think that not only tells you a little bit about me, but also it really tells what we do at Seller Shield. And there were two observations that I kept just banging my head against the wall that I thought were frankly just unfair 
and some other folks had the same realization around the same time and we came together and started the company and the first realization you kind of hit it on it already allison is that everybody in a real estate transaction has protection from disputes you think about the agents they have an errors and omissions insurance policy the brokerages have that title has that mortgage has that inspectors have that and the seller had nothing before seller shield even if they had a homeowner's policy or even an umbrella policy those don't protect from disputes regarding the sale of your home so what i saw over and over and over again is everybody that was a defendant in these types of disputes the agents the brokerages the sellers the inspectors they all had a lawyer that was representing them that was paid for by some insurance company and they all had an insurance company to write a check if if there was a check that need to be written and the seller didn't and that was just it just slapped me in the face over and over about how unfair that was to the seller so that was one of the things that was just something i observed and the other was the agents and the brokerages really get drug into these disputes when they really shouldn't. The home sale, if you think about it, who are the parties to a home sale? It's the buyer and the seller. So if there's a dispute regarding a home sale, it should be between the buyer and the seller. And the agents unfairly get dragged into that dispute. And there's lots of reasons for that that we don't have time to go into, but it's unfair that the agents and brokerages get drug in. And I thought those two things I just kept seeing over and over again. And I thought maybe arrogantly that I could do something about that to help really everyone in the home sale transaction. Seller Shield helps everybody. We help sellers, we help brokers, we help agents, we help the buyer. That may sound odd because we're called Seller Shield, but we actually help the buyer in the transaction too which is one of the things, honestly, I'm really proud of. I think we have a win-win-win transaction when people use Seller Shield. Yeah, definitely. I know. You know, we've seen the value in, in your product and what you offer too. And, and that's kind of where our partnership began. So um, absolutely. And it's crazy when you think about it, how vulnerable, you know, that these sellers were le were left. And you recognize that and, and decided to start up Seller Shield in hopes that that would offer them a little bit more protection than, than what they had before then. And this all kind of goes around this idea of the seller's disclosure notice. Can you tell us what that is and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. I'll Again, I'll go back to my background. One of the things I observed is that the lawsuits that I dealt with were all very, very, very similar. And they all revolved around this concept that a buyer buys a property, they move in, they discover some defective condition. And, you know, there's all, all different kinds. It's roof leaks, it's foundation movement. Back in my early days, when my hair was a little uh, lighter or darker, whatever it was, I used to see a bunch of mold claims. We don't see those as much as we used to, but, but some defective condition that the buyer observes, and they believe that that defective condition was improperly disclosed to them. And then they make a claim against everybody else that was involved in the transaction. They make a claim against the seller, the agent, the, the listing agent, the listing brokerage, their own agent, their own agent's brokerage, and the inspector. And what I thought was, other than it's just unfair that the seller has no protection, I thought, again, maybe arrogantly, that I could solve that by helping the seller get the disclosure documents done correctly on the front end. Because if they're done correctly on the front end, then the buyer knows about the defective condition. 
and they don't have anything to complain about or be upset about. So that helps the buyer. It helps the seller. It helps all the agents and the inspector. When there's better disclosure, it helps everyone. So what we did at Seller Shield is we developed a process, think TurboTax, but instead of for taxes, it's for disclosure documents. We basically took all of the disclosure documents that agents already use. We haven't created anything new. We haven't you know, recreated the wheel. We took the documents that are already used and we put them in this application that guides the seller through filling it out correctly. We give the seller example answers. We tell the seller which questions are the really, really, really important questions that they absolutely have to get right. We make sure that they answer all the questions before they sign. We give them what we call tips. You know, hey, you know, here's what a French drain means. You know, not everybody knows what a French drain is. So we tell them what a French drain is. We do stuff like that in the disclosure platform. They get it done correctly. They sign on our platform. Then we create a really, I call it pretty, which sounds dorky when you're talking about disclosure documents, but a really pretty, clean, easy to read document that is created after they go through our process. And then we get it back to the agent so they can use it in the transaction. So that's one of the things we do is we get the disclosure process done correctly, which is good for everybody. Uh, You know, that's just one of those, I said a win, win, win. That's a win for everybody. And it's especially a win because one of the things that that was always frustrating for me as a a lawyer representing agents and brokerages, whenever there's some kind of problem, there's a legal issue or a legal problem, the way that lawyers like me for years and years and years have dealt with that is we've made the agent's job harder. You know, we say, hey, use this form, do this thing that makes their job harder. The thing that I am so proud of what we've done with our disclosure platform is we've made the agent's job easier. If an agent uses us, literally all they have to do to get a completed disclosure notice is hit a couple of buttons on their keyboard. And then magically, it's not magic, but I say it's magically, mm-hmm. completed disclosure notice populates into their systems. So their job is now easier rather than harder. And it's honestly the first time in my career as a lawyer representing agents and brokers that I've been able to do that for them. So I'm really excited about that. So that's one thing we do at Seller Shield is the disclosure platform. And then the other thing we do is we provide what's called home cell legal protection, which is something we created at Seller Shield. And that is what I was talking about earlier, how it's unfair that the seller doesn't have protection and everybody else does. That's our effort to solve that problem. And what we've done is created this home sale legal protection product that home sellers can opt into. I wish, you know, the businessman in me wishes we could make them opt out, but we don't do that. We let them opt in to the home sale legal protection product if they want to. And that gives them protection from claims. We go, if there is a claim and they've purchased home sale legal protection, then we retain a qual, someone like me, someone who really does residential real estate litigation for a living, somebody that's, that's their job, not somebody that they know at church who's a contract lawyer, or not, not their nephew who is a environmental lawyer. And that's what I saw over and over is the seller, number one, had to pay for their lawyer, which sucks. And number two, they had the worst lawyer at the table, right? The real estate agents and the brokerages, they know people like me. Title knows people like me. Mortgage knows people like me. Inspectors, sellers don't know people like me. 
And that's one of the real values we bring that's hard to communicate is that we are going to get the seller a great lawyer and we're going to pay that lawyer on behalf of the seller. So at a really high level, that's what we do at Seller Shield. We have a disclosure platform that makes disclosure easier, better, and protects everyone. And then we allow the seller to opt in to a home sale legal protection product if they choose. Yeah. And I think it's really smart. And you answered my question. It was going to be, you know, where do realtors fit in, you know, to this? What is our role? But I think, you know, you kind of explained that. And home sale mediations and lawsuits are on the rise, right? I mean, I think this is something that, you know, everyone should be aware with is this is happening, you know, on a pretty regular basis. It's rising. We're continuing to see, you know, things like this going on. And it's important to have that protection, you know, when we think about selling our home. What types of mediations and lawsuits are you seeing? Is it most over things like the disclosure, things that can be solved by this dis- disclosure form, or what types of things are you are you seeing arise when it comes to some of these litigations? Yeah, great question, Allison. First of all, I'll elaborate a little bit about them being on the rise. That is so true. Um, I'm glad you observed that too. We've actually got some stats, and they're pretty alarming. If this was a, a video cast, I'd put the stats up. But uh, the California Realtors recently put out something. We recently saw something from Florida that they put out and the numbers are pretty shocking to me. I mean, I knew they were on the rise, you know, anecdotally, but, you know, I I don't have the same uh, reach that they do. It's uh, it's in some places that's up 40 percent. Wow. Yeah, it's it really is on the rise. Now, I'll tell you, you may not know this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Yeah, please. (laughs) I'll give you some of the reasons why that I've observed over my two plus decades in doing this. There's a few things that that I always notice that cause an increase in disputes. And one of the ones we're experiencing right now is is a significant change in market. And I'm not not saying that it's only when prices go down, that's not what I'm saying, but when there's a real change in the market, we see an increase in claims. That could be when prices shoot up, that can be when prices shoot down, that can be when inventory is greatly constrained. There's all sorts of things that could be, but the key part is there's a significant change in the market. And I think that we can all agree there's been a pretty significant change in the market over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, at least it certainly has been where I'm aware of it. So that is, I think, one of the reasons that we're seeing a big jump in claims. One of the other things that, and this may surprise you, I almost became a weather expert. <laughs> big weather events also causes claims. I can tell you the wettest years in the history of Austin because I made so much money when there was a big wet event. I mean, it it was, I'm almost like a roofer. You know, roofers make a bunch of money when it hails and storms. I'm I'm a little bit like a roofer. So I'm a big weather fan now. I, I pay attention to the weather. That's another thing that causes big, big jumps in claims. Well, that makes sense if you think about it, because people might be realizing things about their home during these major weather events, right? Is that kind of where that comes from? 100% where it comes from. Yeah. You know, when it sprinkles, roof leaks may or may not be a problem. When you have a hundred year flood, roof leaks are definitely a problem. I mean, (laughs) they just are. I mean, you, you know, some dormant stuff can appear when you have a significant weather event. So yes, I'm a, like I said, I watch the weather religiously. (laughs) 
Yeah. And it's been crazy. I mean, the weather has been, you know, I think we see it in the news, you know, on a day-to-day basis, crazy weather, things that are happening, you know, I know here in Ohio, we're, we're hitting, you know, seriously hot temperatures. And I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So those are kind of the two reasons why they spike yeah. these claims and cases can come up. And you may think, oh, it's just hot. That's not a significant event. Well, it's an enormously significant event because when it gets hot, it dries the soil. And what happens when the soil is dry? Homes move. So extreme heat is a significant issue for homes. And that's exactly some of the stuff that we're seeing now. So so that makes sense as to, you know, the, the current market we're in. We have seen things changing there. And as far as the weather, we have seen both of those. So that makes sense. You're saying those are kind of the two big causes of why these lawsuits are on the rise. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. So I want to go back to kind of the type of cases that you're seeing. Is it usually, usually around these disclosure issues and things like that? What are the major cases that you're seeing from your side of things? Allison, 90 out of 100 cases that I see are disclosure related. And then the other 10-ish are just kind of one-off stuff that I can't even tell you that it's not even relevant. The cases that we see over and over and over, and I'm talking about me as a lawyer, my law firm as a lawyer, my dad, I mean, I'm as connected to the real estate world as it gets. My dad is a real estate broker. My wife owns and operates title companies. My best friend owns a brokerage. My next door neighbor owns a different brokerage. I'm connected to- You're living and breathing it. (laughs) Yeah, yes, Exactly. So yes, it's disclosure, 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 or defect. You know, that may be a better way to say it. It's defects with the home that causes these disputes or perceived defects. Sometimes the claims are not legit. We see that a lot where a buyer is making a claim about a defective condition and it's not a legitimate claim. The seller either didn't know about it, the agents didn't know about it, or it didn't happen. You know, sometimes these things happen after the sale and buyers get mad and they think they think or they want to take advantage. You know, that happens too, that everybody knew about it and didn't disclose it. And that's just not factually accurate. In fact, it's been my experience over, you know, a long time that agents don't know about these things. You know, they always get accused of lying about this stuff. And that happens, right? I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. No career's perfect. No profession's perfect. But for the most part, I'd say the vast majority of it, the allegation against the agent of lying is completely meritless. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's really what this comes down to is making sure, you know, you're protected on on your end so that you never even get to this situation. You know, we want to resolve this before it even ever gets to a courtroom because who wants to spend time, you know, going there and meeting with with attorneys and jurors and judges. It's just it's really smart to get ahead of this, you know, before something comes out of it. What are some of the most common risk factors when it comes to brokers and agents and lawsuits? And we kind of mentioned, you know, some of 
of the cases and instances that cause some of these issues, but what are the ways that our realtors put themselves out there in a way that can make them vulnerable and lead them to having something happen when it comes to this? Great question. And this is the core of what I've been teaching. I mean, I can teach this class now in my sleep. Literally, (laughs) I think I could teach this class in my sleep now because it's the same thing. And it's what caused me to found the company. I mean, it really honestly is. If I didn't get asked to teach this class 20 plus years ago, I don't know if I would have founded the company. I really don't. It was this teaching agents, talking to agents about these problems that led me to do what I do. But to answer your question directly, the thing that gets agents in trouble is either the actual participation in filling out disclosure documents, which is frankly pretty rare now. You know, I think most agents have got the message that the disclosure documents are for the seller. It depends on what jurisdiction you're in, right? I mean, not every jurisdiction the same. In California, they put more regulations and stuff on agents than they do, frankly, almost anywhere else. But for the most part, I got to be crystal clear about what I'm saying here. For the most part, disclosure documents are intended to be filled out by the seller. So what gets agents in trouble is either the actual participating in getting the disclosure documents filled out. You know, they sit down with the seller and they the agent actually answers questions. I mean, this might be, you're young. This might be a surprise for you. You know, two decades ago, that's what happened. The agent would sit down at the kitchen table with the seller and the agent would fill out the disclosure document and basically give it to the seller and go, does this look right to you? Fortunately, that practice is mostly stopped. Yes. Yes. That's good. (laughs) Yes. So that that concept of participation or the allegation that the agent participated in the disclosure document. And that's what I deal with mostly now is not that the agent actually participated because, you know, agents are more sophisticated now. They've been trained more now. But the lawyer that represents the buyer who's trying to hook the agent into trouble. Their argument is the agent participated. So what we do, both as me as a lawyer who represents tons of agents and brokers, and what we do at Seller Shield is we cut that argument off. And think about that. If the argument is, is the agent participated in the disclosure process, if the agent's using Seller Shield, they didn't participate. Remember what I said earlier about all the agent has to do is hit a couple of buttons and then the disclosure process is done elsewhere? Well, that's what's so good for the agent in the brokerage is this their biggest risk, their biggest legal risk is the allegation that they participated in the disclosure process. And we cut that off. That's one of our biggest value props to agents and brokers is we take that argument away from the person that wants to bring a claim against them. Yeah, it's really just a great way to to keep yourself, you know, in line and, and safe and away from anything that could come up when it comes to these disclosures. What can happen? You know, maybe just give us an example or, or a generality if, if we don't have this protection and there is something, you know, that's filed or something that comes up, you know, when it comes to this disclosure, what does that look like if, if we're left in a vulnerable situation? Fortunately, almost every agent and broker is protected by errors and omissions. They've very wisely, and I think it's incredibly smart to have errors and omissions insurance because it can protect you when this bad thing happens. So number one, you're not fully exposed like sellers are without seller shield. 
So number one, they've done a great job of protecting themselves by having errors and omissions policies. But what can happen? What is the real risk they face? It's not financial ruin because they've got insurance. Their real risk is reputational damage. Because what happens in these claims, think about it. Just think about what I just said. If you're an agent and you have a claim against you and you represented the seller, well, number one, if they didn't get seller shield, they're not going to be protected and you are. Think about how that's going to go over with your seller. You think the seller's not going to go, well, this doesn't feel right. You have protection. I don't. That's not going to feel good for the seller. So what happens, and I saw this over and over and over, is the seller gets mad at their own agent. And all of a sudden, the seller, when they're asked, did your agent participate in the disclosure process? The seller may not remember it exactly the way that the agent does. And there may be a conflict between that seller and their own agent. And I saw that. I cannot tell you, Allison, that was the standard is that happened. You had a significant conflict, which shouldn't be. That should not be what happened. The agent and the seller should be united against the buyer who's making a bad claim against them. But what happened is that relationship between the seller and their own agent splintered. And the reason it splintered is because of this enormous financial pressure that the seller feels because they have no protection. Yeah, it's scary to think about that. And also so much of realtors business comes from that reputation, from those referrals from, I mean, that's probably, you know, the highest amount of business where, you know, our agents are getting new clients is from that referral process. So if we mess up that relationship, you know, those relationships are so sacred. And if that gets broken or there's tension there, or you start having, you know, your seller being upset at you because of the, of a situation like this, you know, that is, is very, you know, worrisome when you think about the future of your business and, and how you want those relationships to grow and develop. So I think, you know, especially in our world and in our industry that we're in, those relationships are so important and so critical. So we want to protect those, you know, we want to protect ourselves and we want to protect those relationships, you know, with our clients, because those referrals are just crucial to, to our business and how we grow moving forward. What do you see if something does, you know, go beyond this lawsuit and does make it into the courtroom. What does that look like? And what are some of the outcomes that can come, you know, if you do find yourself in a situation where it ends up going through the legal process? I'll kind of give you the high, low, and middle. I'll give you my worst one that I was involved in. We had a a case where it was pretty ugly and it was kind of one of those perfect storm of ugliness. I mean, you wouldn't believe the perfect storm of ugliness. And in that one, the buyer got about two and a half million dollars in damages. Wow. Not normal. I don't want anybody to hear me say, oh, that's not not normal at all. That's the crazy high end, bad, crazy bad result. Two and a half million, pretty bad. Yeah. (laughs) The normal one is the agent and the seller win. And when I say win, I'm going to do air quotes because because none of them feel like winners. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) They feel happy that they were vindicated. But boy, they don't feel like winners. Yeah, it's like I just watched the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing. And I was like, how can either of these people be happy with what they just went through? Like this situation was bad for everyone involved. So kind of like the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's the normal is they win. Because as I said, for the most part, agents aren't liars. They're not out to deceive people. You know, they do this because they want to help people fulfill their dream of home ownership. They're not out there to lie. Now, now, of course, there are some, but but for the most part, the agent wins. And that was 
well, the rewarding part for me is I was representing agents. And for the most part, when they make it to the courtroom, we win. Okay. So that's the normal. And that's kind of the low too. I don't know if I answered your question, but that that's my best answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you did. I just wanted to get kind of a clear picture on like, if you do get to that process, you know, what, are, what can the potential outcomes look like? So I think, yeah, that, that paints a clear picture of that for sure. Do you have like a most memorable case that you've been a part of? I know you mentioned the, the $2 million one, but um, is there anything that really comes top of mind when you think of some of the most memorable things that you've been through when it comes to this? <laughs> that one is always, and, and I, I teach like three, Three different classes on that one case because wow. it's it created so many crazy just weirdness yeah which we don't have time to do unless you want to give me another three hours uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you one that I think is 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 so crazy that it's just almost comical an agent who I know personally and had a claim and and the reason I say I know her personally because I know her she's as prim and proper church goer legitimately just good person. She was accused. I can't even say it without laughing. She was accused of being involved in the sale of a meth house. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Just, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, she would never, ever, 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 ever do that. Yeah. And I, every time I talked to her, because we were friends, I just couldn't stop laughing because it was so absurd that she was accused of that. And I still laugh. I mean, you can tell right now I'm laughing about it because it, it was, and it, it was a meth house. Wow. But she had no idea. It was this beautiful, beautiful house on a lake, multi-million dollar property, but people made meth in that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. You, that just goes to show the unpredictability of our job as realtors. You know, you just never, never know, but it's so important to make sure you're protected and make sure your clients, you know, are protected too. So you don't ever, you know, get in any of these sticky situations that we just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, and I'll give you one more quick one, which is also comical. I, I like to go comical rather than, yeah. I had a case early in my career where, <laughs> Two agents were hosting an open house and uh, they got too familiar with themselves during the open house when nobody was there. And the homeowner's mother came in and found them getting too familiar with themselves. Oh, wow. And uh, the homeowner was not happy about that. So that that was another case that I had Yikes. that I thought was humorous. <laughs> so tip of the day. Don't do that in an open house or in any house that you you have access to. Yep, that's a good bit of advice. <laughs> Along with everything else that you shared, you know, be protected, protect yourself, protect your clients. You know, we never know what might come up, you know, in these transactions are so complicated buying and selling a home and, and, you know, the biggest purchase our buyers are making, you know, probably in their lives. So much goes into that. And so it's important to be protected. And, and you laid it out so simple for us, Bo. And um, I want to thank you for your time and for sharing all of your knowledge with us today. Allison, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Uh, happy to come back anytime. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And um, you guys can learn more about Seller Shield and their products by visiting their website. There's a lot of great resources and information um, on there. And you will see them out and about at more Ohio Realtors events as they are a proud sponsor of ours. And we enjoy your partnership. And thank you for that too, Bo. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. 
email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.